0: Welcome to another bonus episode of the Oregon Transition Podcast.
1: If you haven't tuned in to one of our bonus episodes, imagine it's one of those 95 degrees days. You're out working in the yard, you open your door, and that rush of air conditioning comes in and everything is good in the world. It's kind of like that.
0: Our main episode featured supported decision-making and ways that we can support individuals as they make choices
1: we were able to hear from a lot of different people including tnfs people on the ttan PR we also heard from one person and who was that person josh
0: the main episode featured kaylin hensel owens who works at the oregon state treasury and kaylin is who you go to when you have questions about able accounts
1: i know Everyone, it seems, across the state, including families, parents, students, all are able to talk to Kaylin. And I know you had a really long interview with her that was full of a lot of really incredible gems.
0: We felt that information was so valuable that we wanted to release the entire interview as a bonus episode.
2: So let's hear from Kaylin. Hi, my name is Kaylin Hesel Owens. I am the advocacy and outreach manager at the Oregon State Treasury. Basically, I am the main point person in the state for the Oregon Able Savings.
0: I've heard a lot about Oregon Able Savings Plans. Can you just tell me what that is?
2: Essentially, an Able Account is a way for people with disabilities to save money and not lose any of their state or federal benefits. There are many really important programs out there like SSI and Medicaid. And they say, if you have $2,000, that you can't get those services anymore. And $2,000 is not a lot of money. That's not going to be enough to get your first apartment. For decades, people with disabilities were basically forced to live in poverty to get their health insurance, to get like a personal support worker and their healthcare needs met. But thankfully, a few years ago, Congress realized that wasn't the best idea and they allowed for these accounts to be created. So now state governments can offer these accounts to people and you are able to save money in there and not have it against that $2,000 asset or resource limit. So now someone on SSI can save up to $100,000 in an ABLE account and still get all of the benefits and services that they need. And if they're not on SSI, then they can save even more money. It's really been a game changer for folks you know now getting their first apartment is an actual realistic goal and we've had people who are able even to dream bigger and buy their own house for the first time.
0: Wow their own house oh yeah, my god during
2: the pandemic
0: <laughs> That's amazing. My first question is do you have to be on SSI to get an a- able account
2: So to qualify for an able account you have to meet two criteria the first criteria you have to meet is that your disability started before the age of 26. So that's gonna be true for all of our transition youth. Second is that you meet social security's definition of what a disability is. Now that might sound simple, but it can get a little complicated. If you're already receiving SSI or SSDI, then you clearly meet their definition. But if you don't receive either of those, that's okay. One of the great things about ABLE is that the account owner, so the person with the disability, is the one who actually decides if they're eligible for an account. So if you think you should meet Social Security's definition, then you can go ahead and open an account. Maybe you are going to apply for Social Security. That shows that you believe that you meet that definition. So that would be fine. If you don't get social security benefits because maybe you or your family has too much money or too much income, but otherwise you meet their definition, that's also fine. And it's a good thing to remember that for many families, they might not qualify while their kid is under 18, but once they turn 18, the math that social security does to figure out if they qualify is different. So you have many 18 year olds who suddenly start qualifying for these benefits.
0: Thank you, that makes a a lot of sense. If someone wants to open up an ABLE account, what's the process? Who do they connect with to be able to do that?
2: Opening an ABLE account is pretty simple compared to a lot of other processes that you might be familiar with. You're gonna wanna go to oregonablesavings.com. The name of the state spelled out, ablesavings.com. And then if somebody is having another person manage their account, they should be able to open the account online pretty simply. But if somebody is, you know, in the 18 to 21 range and wants to manage their own account, it might be a little difficult for them to get through the online process because there's a part that has to do basically do a background check and they're pulling stuff like credit history, rental history, employment history. If you're 18, you don't have those histories. So instead, if you're 18 or older and managing your own account, still go to OregonAbleSavings.com but then scroll to the bottom and click on forms, then click on the one that says enrollment, and then just fill that out and mail it in. It's all of the same information. It should still take like 10, 15 minutes to fill out, but then you mail it in with a copy of like a state photo ID. Don't go to a local bank or credit union and ask for an ABLE account. The only place that you can get an ABLE account is through the state of Oregon or one of the other states that offers them. It's still a great idea to go to your local bank or credit union and open up a regular checking account or savings account, but know that they can't offer ABLE.
0: Once you get your SSI check, does money directly deposit into ABLE or do you have to manage that?
2: SSI is giving you your SSI check because they think that you're going to need that money to live off of. And ABLE accounts have a limit to how much you can contribute each year. Now that limit is $16,000, which is more than I can save each year. That might not ever be a concern for you, but I think it is probably going to be best for most people. If they have their SSI check, go to like a traditional checking account, then they spend most of the money on their daily care, but then whatever's left over, they can send to the ABLE account for more long-term goals. So this way you can save up for something bigger like a new Xbox or that apartment or, you know, maybe even your own car.
0: Well, let's talk about that person that bought a house because that's incredible, right? This gives a whole new definition of employment first. First, we want everybody who wants to work can work and have that option. And now we have anyone who wants to buy a house can buy a house if they save with the ABLE account. How did that come about?
2: This is a woman who has been working for a while. She is not transition age. So just to set realistic expectations for folks, it will take a a while to save that up. Mm -hmm. She also used the IDA program where if you work with certain nonprofits, they tend to also offer some kind of financial literacy program or coaching, and then they'll match the amount of money that you save up to certain limits. So I think oftentimes IDAs will give you $3 for every dollar you save yourself. So that's fantastic. I wish that somebody would match my money that way, but then there'll be like rules for the different programs. Like you can only use it for certain things, like stuff like a house or maybe college, you know, they're not going to match the money that you're saving up for like your own hobbies. And then she saved the extra amount in her ABLE account. So she was able to use both programs, another great thing about ABLE is that other people can put money into your account. So she had her mother who wanted to help her with her house purchase. She put that money into the ABLE account. Now for a lot of um, families, you know, if a parent wanted to contribute toward rent payment or something, and if they gave that directly to their child, social security could count that as in-kind support. And then that would decrease the amount of SSI that somebody would receive. But instead, if parents put that money directly into the ABLE account, it does not count as in-kind support. So that can help you get your full benefit, but also save up for a larger goal. We make it really easy for other people to contribute to your account. We have an online gifting page. That's kind of like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe where you have this web page. you can send it to family and friends. you you can let them know if you're saving for something specific and then they just directly put money in your account so it's great for holidays birthdays graduations if you are trying to get that first apartment you can say like this is my goal it's important to me for these reasons and then maybe you'll have people in your community who want to help you get there
0: this sounds like a great segue to the new support decision making law that's in Oregon where teachers need to inform families about support decision making at IEP meetings. So it sounds like the ABLE account gives a lot of options to support individuals financially.
2: Yeah, it absolutely does. When we started the Oregon ABLE savings plan, we decided to build it with a presumption of confidence at the center. We decided to plan as if all of our savers can manage their accounts completely independently. We knew this was not going to be the case for all of our savers, but we thought it was really important to focus on what they could do and to speak directly to the individual. So, in all my presentations, I'm talking to a person with a disability instead of just about them. And that comes through in a bunch of different things that we do. That's just the most obvious. And then we also have alternatives for people who need or just want more support because, you know, life's overwhelming. If you want somebody else to take on more of this responsibility, that's fine. But we recognize that when people can manage their own money, that they have greater self-determination, more confidence. And, you know, research has actually showed that making decisions like that can make them safer. So, for instance, I know one rep payee who said that she had a woman who she was supporting that moved into a different apartment complex. And she was using our ABLE prepaid card to give this individual some spending money. It might've been like $20 a week. And since that woman knew that she would always get $20 on her card, you know, she knew that was the amount that she could comfortably manage on her own. She had a neighbor who was trying to convince her to like buy dog food for the neighbor's dog. And then was like, wait a second, but I only get $20 a week. Something seems wrong about this. So she decided to test that neighbor. So the neighbor, you know, came over to hang out. And this woman left $2 just sitting on her coffee table, left the room, wanted to see what would happen. And the neighbor stole that $2. So she was actually able to identify that this neighbor is not somebody that I should trust. So I think that that is really incredible. I know that people can be nervous about supported decision-making, that it could lead to people being taking advantage of more. But research has actually shown that stories like the one that I just told are more common, which is really great. With the ABLE account, we have a whole range from I can manage the account all by myself to somebody else needs to do everything. And there's a lot of room in between. Supported decision-making can kind of be a spectrum in between those two points. And I think ABLE accounts can help people figure out where on that spectrum is gonna be a good fit for them. As people practice the skill more and as they practice financial skills more, they might find themselves moving from higher supports to lower supports. And this is a more protected way to practice those skills. I think a great way to start practicing financial skills for transition students is for families to open an ABLE account and sign up for our ABLE prepaid card. Now this card works like one of those reloadable gift cards that you can get at the store where you buy the card, you decide how much to put on it. Let's say we have $50 on our card. Once we spend the $50, there's no more money on there. Now you can have $5,000 in the ABLE account, but if you have $50 on the card, you can only spend $50 with it until somebody logs into the ABLE account and moves more money onto the card. Let's say we've got parents managing the ABLE account for their 17-year-old. Mom or dad could be managing the overall account, and then they put the spending money on the kid's card. The card can be used anywhere in person or real life. That takes MasterCard. That's going to be almost everywhere. And then every time they use the card, there's going to be a record of where they spent money. So together, family can sit down and look and see, okay, you spent $10 at Starbucks every day this week. That is why you ran out of money already. And then you can have conversations like, is that really how you wanna spend your money? Or do you wanna save up for this bigger goal that you told me was important to you? And you can add notes to each of those transactions. So you could say, this is what I bought at Target. We're not gonna know that, but you can keep track of it that way. You can upload copies of receipts and that's great money management practice. You know, Having that information is important so that you can budget properly. You can also set up different limits on the card. And I know limits normally sound awful, but they're actually pretty empowering this way. All of us (laughs) struggle with impulse shopping, (laughs) buying things that we weren't planning on buying. Teenagers are no different in our youth with transition are also no different. For me, I know I spend more money at Target every time I walk in there than I thought I was going to. So I can tell my ABLE prepaid card, I can't trust myself at Target. Don't let me spend more than a hundred dollars there at one time. And then if I tried spending more than a hundred, it would, it wouldn't let me, I just couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. So you can think about your own situation and what might be difficult for you. And then it's kind of like bowling where you can have the bumpers up that you're not going to get a gutter ball each time. It can help you stay in line because like habits are really hard to break and it's really hard to create new ones so this gives you some extra support maybe you'll need that forever but maybe you won't i had someone ask me once i think it was her son takes the bus to work or someplace each day but always walks past 7-eleven and wants to spend money there she's like can i say he can't spend money at the 7-eleven or you know maybe can't spend more than five dollars out there just so he doesn't spend all his money there and the answer is yes you can you can say only work at grocery stores, if that's supposed to be their grocery money. It's very, very flexible that way so that you can make it work for whatever your unique situation is. Now, I also think it's important for parents out there to remember that your kid's going to make a mistake (laughs) managing their money. All of us do when we're learning and we are always learning. I know it can be scary to give them money (laughs) but think about how much do you feel like your child can manage on their own i have people using the prepaid card who get two dollars a week from their rep payee others might be able to do a couple hundred dollars for the whole month and there's nothing wrong with either of those figure out what you know the sweet spot is going to be for your family but also try to be understanding that they will probably mess up sometimes. And that is an important part of their learning. Supported decision making is a fancy way of explaining something that I think people have done since the beginning of time. You know, when I think about myself making a decision, it feels like I'm doing it on my own, that I'm doing it independently. But if I really break it down, I'm getting help. I'm getting support from other people. I will talk to my husband to see if he thinks this is a good idea. No, it's important for us to be on the same page with that. I'll also look information up on the internet. What is the best version of this thing that I'm interested in buying? Or, you know, if I'm interested in getting a car, I don't know a lot about cars. So I might ask my friend who I know knows a ton about cars. I might even have them come with me to the dealership because negotiating still intimidates me. So they can help me. I'm still the one buying the car. I'm the one making the decision, but they're helping me communicate that and getting the best deal. So supportive decision-making, it could be trying to understand your options. It could be someone helping you make a pro-con list and think through all of the different things. It can be a bunch of different things. The way it looks for each individual is going to be a little different. And that's I think that Oregon's disability community is at a pretty exciting place right now. The idea of employment first has been pretty widespread and seems that it is more, you know, it's the expectation of what is going to happen to our transition youth that they are going to have jobs and live as independently as they can or as they want. And a big part of uh, being employed is having that paycheck which means that you need to understand how to manage money with more and more people with disabilities, getting quality, well-paying jobs. We are we have a generation of individuals who are finally able to have a decent amount of money. The sub minimum wage is going away. And that means that when people get their first jobs, they're going to have a good size paycheck. Now, Another problem that's existed for a long time is that benefits programs like SSI wouldn't let people have a lot of money at one time. $2,000, you can't have more than that. But with ABLE accounts, they suddenly have a place to have more than that. So we're now at a position where people with disabilities are working, they're earning meaningful wages, and they finally have the ability to hold on to that money for a longer time. And now that we have that access, those opportunities for people, it's key that we teach them how to manage money. Financial literacy is something that is very important to us at the state treasury. We want everyone to be able to manage their funds as best as possible because for better or for worse, it takes money to achieve almost all of our goals. Being able to manage your finances can help you lead the independent lives that we all want. It can help us reach whatever those dreams are. So one of the things that we've been working on at ABLE is trying to give people the opportunity to learn financial literacy that they can use these accounts as best as possible. So we've been working with your transition network facilitators to help come up with a curriculum to teach these financial skills to transition age youth. At Treasury, we have long worked with Financial Beginnings. It's a nonprofit that works to bring financial literacy classes into classrooms all over the state. And they had reached out to us saying, we know you have this disability savings program. And, you know, this is a population that we want to be able to start serving. We brought the Transition Network facilitators together with them to adapt their curriculum to Include information about ABLE to include talking about those asset and resource limits. And then rearrange things, add examples that might be more relevant. Make sure to include a bunch of different learning styles. Then we had to start testing out that curriculum. Last winter, we worked with a teacher in the Park Rose School District to bring this curriculum to his classroom. I wanna say maybe about eight students participated. I taught the class. We talked about things like setting SMART goals, basically how you can structure your goal in a way that makes it more likely that you're going to achieve it. Uh, We talked about budgeting, the idea of saving versus spending, a bit about what credit is and how that is different from your debit card. And we also talked about the difference between banks and credit unions and the different types of accounts that you can get. All really important information for everyone in the country and the world to learn. And it it went really well. They also got ABLE accounts and the prepaid cards and some money on them to actually go out and practice spending it. And so we are working on taking lessons we learned from that to make the curriculum better. We keep testing it out more places. This past spring, FACT Oregon hosted classes and one of my colleagues over at the Department of Consumer business services taught it to them. We're hoping that we can one day bring this curriculum to all of the different transition programs in the state. We're looking for volunteers who could help teach it all, all those different places. But if there are any educators that are interested participating, they should definitely look us up and reach out.
1: Josh, that was an incredible interview. I am struck by how many different ways there are to save your money, to get support, To be able to learn about financial independence in this interview, it's just such a helpful, incredibly important thing to talk about.
0: It feels really empowering when I hear about all the different support that you can get to manage your money. And I wanna go back to the story she told about the individual who ended up saving enough money to buy her house. And again, this shows a perfect example of support. Like Caitlin said, he was older than transition age. So, it took a while for her to save up, and she had some help. We can go back to our theme from our main episode, which was support decision making. This is an example of how individuals can be supported in one area of their life. And as Kaylin said, some people want very little support, while others will want more support. And it's all right there.
1: And I think. The other thing that I'm really just excited is how willing they are to teach. This is such an incredible opportunity. If you are a teacher, if you are a parent, if you are a student and you want to learn about everything ABLE, you want to learn about financial independence reach out reach out to your local transition network facilitator reach out to kaylin reach out and just raise your hand and ask for help
0: so thank you for listening to this bonus episode i'm going to go outside in the way too hot june air and then come in with my air conditioning and the oregon transition podcast on my bluetooth speaker at volume 11
1: thank you everybody
0: peace out